Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the DIY Small Business Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode is really special for two reasons. Number one is we have come to episode number 50, which is really cool. Um, this podcast um, isn't as old as my other one, Daydream Worlds, which is approaching 100 episodes soon, so that's pretty cool. But it is also really close to my heart, and I'm just really happy to have gathered this body of work and to get to speak to so many different people and also answer questions in solo episodes. So yeah, celebrate with me. And and the second reason this is special is that I interviewed Gina from Incandescent Tarot and I I just listened back to this episode and I don't say that lightly, but my heart is so full because it's been really beautiful to to just speak to Gina and feel less alone in navigating everything that's happening this year. I really loved watching her journey and the ways that she has pivoted in her business creatively and structurally and there's just been so much nodding along in this episode really and I hope that you're listening and feeling inspired to find courage to bring more of your own intuition into your business decisions Um, really remember that you are running a small business because you want to make the rules and that you get to do that and that you um, really get to listen to yourself and what you need and how you want to be of service. That's some of the stuff that I've taken away from listening. So yeah, I really hope this serves you well. Um, not many updates from me. I'm recording this intro mid-November. I'm kind of winding down for the year. I have one more exciting project um, for web design that I'm working on this year. And otherwise, I'm taking a long break over the holidays. Um, for three weeks, my calendar is blocked because I want to give myself time and space to process. And if you can, and if that's available to you, I really encourage you to go ahead and block your calendar as well because it's been a lot and you deserve that downtime, as we all do, really. Um, in the new year, in mid-January, I'm going to reopen the Embodied Business Community and there's going to be 15 places you can get on a waitlist if you like. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And that's probably going to be the main way you can work with me in 2021 um, because I'm, I'm limiting the one-on-one work that I offer to focus more on the community, which has become such a beautiful place to be in. There's a lot more live content now. We have... Um, a monthly live tech drop-in support session now. We have group support session or group coaching, if you will, tons of live workshops, co-working spaces, um, and just a lot of um, engagement in the community on Mighty Networks. And I feel it's really become the beautiful, um, creative and supportive space that I always wanted it to be. And so I want to give this all my love and attention. And I also think that financially it's a more affordable way for people to receive um, long-term support as an alternative to working with me one-on-one for a shorter period of time. So yeah, I hope you'll check that out. And I, I would love to hear what you think about this episode. Thank you for listening. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy to bring another interview session to you. I haven't interviewed a lot of people for the business podcast this year, so I'm extra excited to have Gina of Incandescent Tarot here today to talk about, well, many things. We've just said there's so much on our minds and like we're really open. Um, but I think part of the reason I've invited Gina is that I followed her story for a few years. Um, we first met on Instagram and I almost want to say 
in the old days when this is where I used to meet people because I want to already live in a future where we freed ourselves from social media, basically. <laughs> so anyway, Gina and I met back on Instagram in the old days and um, I've received readings from her. I so, so love and appreciate her newsletter and I've seen her pivot in her business a few times in ways that really deeply inspired me. And I think we're recording this at the end of October 2020 pivoting has been a big thing for all of us so I thought this is a beautiful thing to dive a little bit deeper into so Gina thank you so much for making time you're so wonderful I love your work and I'm so excited to talk to you oh I'm so glad to be here and the feeling is like beyond mutual I'm just Aww. like I remember you were one of the first people I found on the great wild internet and I love that we can say like old-timey style like back in the old days of Instagram, which, yeah, I feel like has gone through 20 iterations since then. Um, but you were one of the first people that I found that I really resonated with. And so it's really lovely hearing you say those things about my work, because I feel like you were sort of the, the leader of all those changes. And I watched you do it. And I was like, okay, like, here's someone who's really being authentic and present with themselves. Um, and that was so nice and refreshing to see online oh Gina thank you so much I had no idea that yeah I had no idea so that's really sweet to hear thank you so much um I want to begin by just kind of giving people an overview of what you do and I know you do different things but in your own words like what feels true at the moment I really like that you say in the moment because <laughs> I've been trying to find you know good a good name for myself, though self-description is not always my strong suit, but at the most broad level, I'm calling myself right now a tarot reader and a spiritual writer. So I do a lot of tarot readings online. I've been reading since I was 12, um, so almost 20 years exactly. Um, and I've had my business for about four years now, which is crazy to say out loud. Um, so I offer a lot of tarot readings. Uh, I used to teach a lot, and now I'm trying to transition to online teaching, which is my exciting new frontier. And then I also do like basically consulting sessions around spirituality and intuition. Yes, I love them. And I think you're holding such beautiful place for people to really have a sounding board. I remember my last reading that I had with you, Wow, which was just, yeah, it was really lovely and it still is with me today because I think, especially in a time like this year where so much is changing and it really just brings up more questions than it gives us answers, it's really good to have that kind of space to feel stuff out and also not to do it alone all the time because obviously I do read for myself as well and I really value that as a practice. But oh my gosh, like I can just, you know, things can just amplify and balance between the walls of my brain <laughs> when no one else is around so yeah thank you that's um that's beautiful um I would love to kind of hear what the pandemic has been like for you so far and what it has shifted in your business you've already mentioned that you're shifting more to online teaching and I, I would love to hear more about that wow I mean the pandemic has been such a wild experience in so many ways and for all of us you know, I was really, I think in the circles we run in and the people we work with, there's a lot of highly sensitive people, people who are really in tune with their feelings, with life itself um, and its uncertainties. 
and I've noticed a lot of them saying, and my experience as well, being that there was something clarifying about the pandemic in that a lot of the injustice and the inequalities and the the toughness of life became suddenly a topic everyone was discussing. And so it's a weird feeling to have that sense of acknowledgement, like, oh, finally we're talking about these things. This is really scary and sad and tough. Um, but for me personally, I was surprised to have a sense of relief around it as well. Like now, now we can see how high the stakes are a lot of the times and you know just how uncertain our world is um and i for me that brought a lot of clarity uh it made a lot of things i was hemming and hawing about like no longer issues it's like oh i just have to do this <laughs> like uh there was and, and you know a lot of that was not so spiritual and lovely it was also like financial and like what am i working with how can i support myself um, what are my skills? What really matters to me? Um, so <laughs> it's been a wild ride to, to be tossed into this new normal, as we all like to say, and to just have to ride everything as it comes and to be more creative and innovative in the moment. And it's such a trade-off, you know, sometimes it's, it's exhilarating, sometimes it's incredibly stressful, but I think it has made me realize just how much I value certain things and how I don't have the time to personally put that off or, you know, devalue it and do all my weird Weasley, like, <laughs> oh, well, now's not the time or I can't do that or, you know, that's not really important. Um, so there has been some clarity there, but also a lot of chaos. Yeah, totally, for sure. Um... I feel really similar. There's been so much clarification and at the same time, a sense of urgency, but also this deep need for rest and slowness. And sometimes this bouncing between these things and finding like real gold in, in the middle if, where I'm allowing the urgency of like, oh yeah, I really need to cut these things out. Like this is ridiculous. I don't have time for that anymore. And I need to urgently come back to myself and what's important to me and that's also rest and slowness. And so maybe that change will take time, but I really feel so strongly that I do want to let this time change me and my business. I think that's really important. I don't want to look back five years from now and be like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I was at home, I guess. That's what happened in 2020. <laughs> you know? I wonder, you know, if like, and just noticing the the people who I, I didn't realize the deep extent to which I am like an at home person by nature. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of just like it, it's if you were to like give me a label, I'm like an introvert with extrovert tendencies. And so <laughs> in the before times, it was really easy for me to just like spin out into the extrovert tendencies and think that was sustainable. And a part of the pandemic has been really kind of amusing to me because I'm like, oh, I really like having space and time and quiet. Mm -hmm. Those are actually totally non-negotiable. And I think a lot of people who are similarly oriented are like looking around their house like, I could just be here. <laughs> this could be <laughs> a regular feature of my life. Um, and I didn't know that beforehand. That's been kind of a, a surprising thing. To be like, mm -hmm. oh, 
this is really good for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, it's really good to develop language around holding both these things, like the grief and the chaos and the stressfulness of it and the pain of seeing so many people really suffer and also saying like, oh, wow, I'm so lucky I have this home I get to be in and it's really quite cozy in here and I enjoy my own company and the company of the people and animals that I live with. I know you're living with some really cool animals. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. I think, you know, with the pandemic, it's like you can't run away from yourself. Like I am just stuck in my house. I'm stuck with my creatures and there've been in my business, you know, there's just been a lot of things where I've tried to weasel out of my true nature and one part of my true nature is that I'm always going to have a lot of animals around me, even though I like to talk the talk of, you know, simplifying and, you know, one day we'll travel because I'll have, you know, one dog instead of three. <laughs> but yeah, right now I think it's two, yes, yeah, two dogs. We found a bird. So now we have another bird. We have a pigeon um, and a cat. So. Cool. They're delightful. They're all crazy. They have to be corralled now because they make a lot of noise. So <laughs> my husband is babysitting. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing pack. You already touched on something that I kind of want to expand on, which is this like being inwards and keeping some things to ourselves. And I want to kind of see how that fits into social media as well, because you're not on Instagram anymore but you're exploring other platforms and I love, yeah, I would love to hear more about what that's been like and whether that felt scary and like, what is, what are you gaining from that? That was a really big one for my business. I actually, when I started my business four years ago, I wasn't on Instagram at all, not even personally. And I actually didn't know how Instagram worked. I thought you just followed people. Like there is no like avenue to see anything else randomly. Um, so it was pretty funny to just dive in and I quickly got sucked in and overwhelmed. And so I was on Instagram for about three years. I think I had a personal account at one point. I spent most of my time on my business account. I had a Facebook. I tried to, to tweet. It was not successful. <laughs> uh, I was just lurking and looking at other people's tweets, um, which is really entertaining and very dangerous for me. But it was an interesting experience since I had not much exposure. I had kind of gone in and out of social media before then too. And I didn't even, it was sort of the classic, you know, like a frog in the pot of water that slowly gets turned up and eventually it's boiling. I wasn't realizing just how much my brain was getting clogged with information about other people, about their businesses, um, about how you should be doing things, um, how much you should be sharing. And so in a way, just diving into it, I didn't have a moment to really ask myself what I wanted. And it was also my first solo business too. So I was feeling this intense pressure to do everything and be really visible and to just make it all happen. But the funny part about it was that it completely paralyzed me. So I was doing like five things really poorly and feeling a ton of pressure and then like irritation and guilt around that. Like, oh, well, I should be doing this. I should be posting more regularly on Instagram. I'm just bad at it. It was 
a really big old swamp that I was getting stuck in all the time. And I mean, it took me like three years to get out of it. Um, and I think there's so much, there's so much pressure around it and there's no right or wrong answer. That's another thing too. Like for me, I just had to really look at myself and my quality of life and be like, is this helping or hurting me? Um, and some people can use social media in like the most amazing, fluid, authentic way. And I was just running up against this brick wall time and time again. That's like, you are not one of these people. Like, There is no middle ground for you. You are going to get sucked into rabbit holes. You're going to get caught in comparisons. And interestingly too, like all of that had a really big creative spiritual component to it as well, because I was taking in so much information and I wasn't allowing or even, I don't think it was possible. Like there was no way for me to cultivate an equal or greater amount of space for my own creativity, my own spirituality, my own business savvy to come through. So I got really stuck. And, you know, I wish I could have said that, like I took a big stand, like during the like heyday of my full-time business and it was like no longer, Um, (laughs) but I didn't, I had like a crisis and was like about to scrap my business completely. And so the the pre, prelude to that was getting off social media. And the pandemic kind of saved my butt because I was really close to getting rid of everything at that point. And then I had to get scrappy and creative um, with income and what I was spending my time on in my home. And then I decided to just try without social media, like really in a concerted way. So it's been a rocky road (laughs) and it's definitely been something that I was, I had to be like fully immersed in and like struggle through to see like, is this worth it for me? Is this worth it for my life, my business, Um, who I want to be as a person um, and how I want to spend my time? Because, you know, I think the biggest thing when I look back was like, it was so much time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that time was not, I don't like the word productive because it feels like we should always be productive, but it, it wasn't productive on a many different levels um, in terms of feeding my soul and what makes my life positive and beautiful and complex and not always positive, but rich. Um, and it definitely was like a huge ball and chain around my business because I was just like hobbling around like, oh, nothing's adequate. I'm just spreading myself so thin. So I've been really surprised at how open and inspired I am not spending time in those spaces. Mm. Yes, I was just nodding along, which people can't hear or see. So yeah, just want to affirm that I resonate so deeply with so much of what you shared. I have a similar experience of really feeling this openness and inspiration and the the knowing that the overwhelm can come so quickly. And I think the narrative is so strong, especially when you're starting out, like you have to be on there all the time and ideally on multiple platforms, whether or not they actually suit your message or the kind of environment that you want to be in, like Twitter being such a good example. I took that really serious in the beginning and I built up to, I think, 4,000 followers before I deleted it because fucking hell like it's so fast-paced I just don't I'm not suited to those kinds of conversations right like I have an idea and then like 
you're refreshed two minutes later and the conversation has like gone it's like the ship has sailed you're like what's even happening totally and so like if I had had the courage and the mindfulness or like the intention in the beginning of my business of really sitting down and be like what kind of content am I actually enjoying creating? Like what is sustainable for me to do on a regular basis? It would have been so clear that that's not Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) right? But then on the other hand, I also want to have so much compassion for us just doing this thing that we didn't know how to do that we've done for the first time that really no one teaches you how to do. And of course you look around yourself and you're like, well, you know, like what's working here? What can I do? And and what can I do that's free as well? Like what's a starting point that's relatively low risk, at least financially? And I think that brings up another interesting question because people always say, well, social media is free, but I really want to question that and say, we are pouring so much energy into creating free content. And that is a currency and that is taking time away that we could be making money in other ways. So this is not free at all. Um, I am on Instagram at the moment, um, which is all right, but I, I think it is all right because I don't have a smartphone anymore. So I don't have an app. I can't scroll in bed, uh, you know, morning or evening. I can just open it in my browser occasionally and I go to specific people that I want to see. And then sometimes I post through my browser, but that's like, I'm just like you. I also would have otherwise felt unable to find some kind of middle ground or balance um so that works for me but last year between august and december i took a complete break as well and wasn't on it at all and i really saw that my business just wasn't crumbled the crumbling the way i had always thought it would i had more time to record podcast episodes and write scenes and connect with people in lots of other ways and really came to appreciate them so much and so um, sorry, this is an annoying sound. <laughs> I would love to hear, like, what have you found that is exciting, or like, when you're, you know, you've you've regained so much time now. Where are you investing that, and what feels good in terms of connecting with people and building community? Mm, that's such a good question. You just said so many things. I was like, <laughs> oh, remember that? That's an amazing <laughs> point, and that's so true. And, you know, to go way back to uh, to the beginning, you know, when you said that it's really good to have compassion around these things. I totally agree. And I think, you know, even though it was such a slog at times and I really felt like in it, I'm the type of person uh, where I really need to experience something fully to, you know, and this can be a flaw sometimes because that was a lot of time of my life. Uh, But I really have to feel like I've explored all the options or, you know, exhausted is probably a good word because (laughs) I felt pretty exhausted at the end, but exhausted the opportunities out there. Um, Because I think those realizations too are really lasting because you have this sense of thoroughness. Like, no, I really, I really did that. And for me, you know, those platforms were, were not the right place. And And back to what you were asking, I think that's kind of the missing question that I have to frequently return to. Um, It's definitely not done deal, but like, where do I communicate the best? Where do I feel inspired to create? Um, That's been a really interesting thing to see. I think, you know, when, when I was younger, I had the sense of limitless possibility and also was very like cocky about 
my abilities. So it's like, well, I can learn anything. I can make myself do anything. Sounds healthy, doesn't it? <laughs> what fun. Um, but recently just realizing, you know, just because I could doesn't mean I should. And then more disturbingly, the older I get and the more I grow to know myself and what I need, there's this kind of like, oh, I actually can't make myself do that anymore. Like, I will rebel. Like, I will drag my feet. I will not be sharing or I will not be creating. Um, and it's not because I'm not trying hard enough. It's because it's not the right place, um, which is a little bittersweet because you want to think that you could just do anything. Um, but why torture yourself? Um, so when I got rid of social media, it was a lot easier to look at the internet as a place where you could really work with things creatively. Like I think back when Instagram was like baby platform and everyone, and you see this with like any platform like TikTok now, um, which I feel like has gotten more solidified, but people, it's like the wild west. Everyone's like, okay, we have this new place, but we could do anything here. And so there's all this innovation and sort of like open-minded engagement with technology. And so when I got off of Instagram, which was really tough for me, I started looking at other platforms and being like, how can I just use these platforms as myself? Like, how can I use, you know, my newsletter in a way that feels really inspiring to me? Like, how do I communicate? Like, how do I like to share? It's not through like monthly long communications that take a lot of editing. Like that for me, like anything that I have to edit a ton is where like my like demon side comes out. I'm like, oh, let's make this as complicated as possible. Let's torture you with indecision. <laughs> and, but somehow you will think that this is going to be, this will make it better. It never makes it better. I often never even share those things because I've just tangled myself up in the corner. Um, so I found that, you know, having a newsletter that's more frequent and more like inspired, like fresh in the moment, what I'm thinking about has been so much fun and has, it's really been kind of a, like a trust fall, you know, like it takes a lot to walk away from these places that are so established or these ideas about how we should be doing our businesses or sharing online. Um, but I'm always shocked at how much I get responses to things that I'm sharing from a place of inspiration versus that sort of perfectionist of how do I make the ultimate tarot course? Like that's something that I've been just bumping my head up against in hilarious ways. Cause I'm like, you're doing it the old way, Gina, <laughs> like you're doing it the old way. You're not having fun and you're not creating something that you really believe in. Cause it's, you're trying to fit it into this box. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I feel like if I were to be a person who put post-its up on their wall, my house would be covered in them. Just <laughs> being like, don't forget this. <laughs> Where do you feel inspired and energized? Like, work from that place. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that was very rambling. No, yeah, that's great. I really feel that. Yes, that's so true. And I, I want to name also just for people that are interesting, interested in this because I'm always like geeking on about software and alternatives. So you are using Substack, I think, for your newsletter, right? And yeah. then you have a Mighty Network as well, right? Yes, I do. I, I really like both of them. Um, you turned me on to Mighty Networks, which is amazing. 
And I feel like that place has so much potential to sort of create a social media-esque experience Mm -hmm. without all of the clutter and noise from advertising, outside sources. It feels like such a cozy, Mm -hmm. safe space. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any paywalls for it, so it's free, but you have Mm -hmm. to request to join. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really like have, it has this nice little glow around it where mm-hmm. anyone can come in and yeah. you know you can stay as long as you like as so long as you're not being a jerk <laughs> um <laughs> no jerks allowed though um but that in and of itself i think is just for me being a tender soul a nice place to share and i've seen people really share in authentic beautiful ways there too mm-hmm. um and I really am enjoying Substack. So I was on MailChimp for a while. Um, I wish their interface was more <laughs> intuitive. I had such a, I was always annoying my, my husband complaining about MailChimp and he had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> Do you need to know? Um, so I finally, you know, bit the bullet and, and jump ship. And then Substack is just so streamlined. It really works for me because it's very simple and you can just um, send things out. It's, it's really affordable. It's free actually, which is chef's kiss, delightful. Um, and something about that like uncluttered space really helps me just share spontaneously um, and without as much pressure. There's not as many analytics. I think, you know, if you're the type of person who wants analytics, that's maybe not the best place for you, but I can get bogged down in that stuff and Mm -hmm. it's not a metric that I'm measuring my success off of. Um, So those are my two main areas right now. And then I'm maintaining my, my website, um, which is lovely. Um, But it's funny speaking to the days of of when free content was like expected everywhere. (laughs) I have so much free content on there and it's really nice to just after all those years of creating it, have it, be in its little home and it's really lovely how many people it reaches. Um, but I'll still share smaller tidbits there as well. Yeah. I think that's such a good point about the free content and how that, that culture is finally shifting because I think that's another thing when we were starting out, uh, I started this business in 2015 and Facebook groups were really big. And the other things that was really big was like one or two page PDFs that were like guides that you would offer as a free download to people who would sign up to your newsletter. And it was really aggressive sometimes, like the, the things people did to build their newsletter list. And then, but also the overwhelm that we created, just kind of throwing around all this free stuff and not being mindful of what we could actually engage with, like how much can we hold at any given point in time and really take in And then also building these huge newsletters of totally disengaged people that have like maybe used a a newsletter address that they only use for spammy stuff or like, you know, inviting like a hundred newsletters into your inbox and then never reading any of them. And like, obviously that's, that's totally okay if that's your jam. And I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just what we did and it was okay. And again, like we can give ourselves grace, but I really love also seeing that change and people recognizing that small is beautiful and that it's much more powerful to have a small group of really committed people who just really love what you're doing and they want to be hearing from you whether you give them a free PDF or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That was so popular and I still have, you know, that I have a pop-up where you can get this. Oh man, I am so extra like this PDF. <laughs> if y'all want it, like it's, it's a primo PDF. It is like probably like 30 pages long. It's like its own little mini tarot instruction booklet. But I remember I would make so many things like that and it would, oh, it would take me so long. And I, you know, never get paid for it, which is Say lovey. Mm-hmm. Um, I am glad to see the shift away from that because I think it created this huge glut of information. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think it really overwhelmed people too. You know, just mm-hmm. you have all of these resources, but how do you actually like integrate and digest them? Um, but it's funny because with my newsletter now, like I have probably about half of the people came from the PDF zone mm-hmm. and then half of them actually want the newsletter. <laughs> So whenever I look at my statistics, I'm like, this is very evident. <laughs> like, there's so many people who just don't open it, which is totally fine. Um, and then the people who are like, no, I really want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And the internet is kind of funny like that. You know, we put out all of these things and it's so, you just don't know what they're going to do, what mm-hmm. they're going to bring back into your orbit. Um, and there's something very magical about that. It's kind of like fishing, like, yeah. who's going to find these little gifts? <laughs> who's going to yes. actually get something out of them? Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. And there really is no way of knowing. And I think sometimes free stuff can also be beautiful. Like I think especially if we do work that is so intimate and personal, it's really nice to give people a chance to get to know us in a way, like maybe hear your voice, whether that's in writing or in an audio or video, but just some kind of way of saying like, this is what it feels like to engage with what I do and you can try that for free. I think there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just that it has blown up so much and become such a serious overrated thing that I feel like everyone just feels overwhelmed by. Um, So yeah, that's really interesting. I'm so happy that you found Substack as like a space that really works for you. Yeah, I had another follow-up question. Oh, God, my brain, my pandemic brain. <laughs> Give me oh, one it's second. real. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, newsletter, free stuff. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So um, you were talking about the content that's now living on your website. And I think that's another interesting aspect, isn't it? Because I think, well, it has so many beautiful aspects to it. Like one, I really like seeing how our perspectives change over time and I want to be honest, like a few weeks ago, I deleted a podcast episode, for example, because I was so embarrassed. I interviewed someone I was really admiring and still admire this person so much. And I was just really sounding like a 15-year-old teenager who was like <laughs> not, uh, not at all able to string a sentence together, who hadn't really prepared. I had actually prepared, but I was just really nervous in the moment. And I just felt like that episode was just not providing any value and I was just feeling embarrassed about it. And, and also there's other stuff on my website that I look at back at and like, yeah, you know, like that was just a different time in my life. I've learned and things have grown, but I, I wouldn't have grown had I not given myself that space to do the things and just try it in the first place. Like, otherwise I would still, be in employment probably (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) and so um and then the other component is I think that like you said like you're kind of like you're you're putting your fishing net out there and you never know what happens and it's so interesting how 
people sometimes organically just through Google searches still find really old content, but really resonate with that. And then, and then kind of like, you know, explore a whole thing in our world and become subscribers or work with us. And I have a, a blog post, for example, please don't look it up. I think I have, <laughs> I really hope I have. It's like we're all like have our pens ready. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I wrote this when I was 27. It was called, what if I want to be single forever? And oh, that's two, so beautiful. Well, <laughs> it's just super awkward. Like I still like the idea and I think it was an important question to ask at that point in my life. But it was just so, it was just, there was so much self-consciousness in the writing. So it feels really, really awkward and like, just like cringy. Anyway, but for years and years, every single day, people would land on an article who had Googled, what if I want to be single forever? And so you really never know. That's so, that's the magic of the internet, right? That is so beautiful. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, it's really fascinating. You know, I, I think every day I kind of forget how the internet works and that like I have stuff out there and like people find it. (laughs) And I look at like my website traffic and like, Oh, whoa, people are looking at this. I'm very savvy y'all. But there are some funny things that you're just like, this really resonated. And it's almost like its own little ecosystem that's formed. Like, you know, maybe you, you started the coral reef, but everything's growing off of it. And you go back and you look and like, whoa, this is, this is really resonating. And there is something so strange about, I mean, I think it's also the nature of our work too, because it is much more, you know, ephemeral, spiritual, however you want to put it, you know, it really invites intimacy on a different level than say like blogging about finance. Who knows? Maybe there are some deeply intimate exchanges <laughs> in that realm I don't know about but you know there's a really odd and kind of magical thing about like your past self is almost communicating with people and I think there's something really tender about seeing that like I have some blog posts too where I'm like whoa girl like you were you were in it and <laughs> you just put it out there and yeah the writing I'm like okay I can see you second guessing yourself mm-hmm. every paragraph but there it is and you know people are still clicking and reading and finding something um but you know it, it is odd as like being a private person and then having that just be be out in the world and there's something really beautiful and I I think that's too with like the free content like I don't have a lot of regrets around it I know I spent a lot of time but you know part of my business ethos is really like fostering space for people and inviting people into tarot and spirituality and intuition um, because I believe it's accessible to everyone and should be Um, so even though my my older my younger self was like had no boundaries and was like, take my 60 page PDFs, like (laughs) have five. Um, I don't regret that because it really did give a lot of resources to people, but you know, now my writing is different. Now my sharing is different and and that's wonderful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like everything we covered in the last 10 minutes or so also speaks to how important it is to play the long game and I've been Mm. thinking a lot this year about what I need to stay committed and almost like I love the word devotion and 
this idea that at some point discipline can become devotion, but really only if we're doing something that feels really true for us and is sustainable and regenerative and healing to us on multiple levels and just kind of is what we need to do. And I, wait, before I carry on, I'm almost done with this one, but like, I think in that narrative of what I just said, I also want to say, I don't mean that in a flat, just follow your heart kind of way, because I think we glorify that in a way that devalues feminized labor and care work and all the other things that are also part of life and that we should never try to grow beyond, if that makes sense. I think there's something around like accumulating wealth by following our heart to a point where we get everyone else to do the crappy shit we don't want to do. And that's not what I mean either. Right. But I think, yeah, like how can I, how can I create working conditions for myself that, that can really be the long game for me. And I would love to hear what that means for you at the moment. Mm, There's so much there. And I really like that you, you, Oh, I'm like, oh, that's another, that's a whole other podcast discussion. <laughs> There's, you know, I think especially in this line of work and with the culture of the internet over the past, you know, five, 10 years, leading to all these like wonderful businesses um, and around a lot of this, you know, feminized work, um, which is like this like, very emotional sort of holding space, um, fostering communication in these areas that don't get a lot of airtime in our culture. Um, and a lot of times the big growth narratives are really intense and sort of stifle or devalue that, you know, like you should be moving away from it or, you know, and then there's no easy answers to those questions. I think that was one thing that I was really missing in the business narrative was that it's going to be different for everyone. And you can say like, yeah, I need strong boundaries, um, which is like the buzzword, you know, like everyone's talking about the strong boundaries, but those can change. And, you know, a lot of the questions around what that looks like for you, they're actually really challenging, meaty questions that you have to continually wrestle with. Um, And so I think for me too, the idea of success was really, it came with a ton of baggage, unsurprisingly. And I found myself striving for this very like competitive version of success that really didn't fit. And it's been funny. I I feel very grateful right now, actually just thinking about it. Like all the times I felt something was off have been really important for me personally and professionally, even if they've been extremely confusing and frustrating because they always have that wisdom of, I think you're trying on something that doesn't fit you. And I think you're adopting some goalposts or measurements that you don't believe in. Um, So that idea of success being like, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money out of my tarot business. No, (laughs) I don't make a ton of money out of my tarot business. And I love it so much more when I don't. And that's not to say that there will not be some golden future where I'm raking it in and feeling fulfilled. That would be lovely. Um, but right now and overall, like my idea of success is more about connecting, honoring the work that I do and, and really working with the people who, who need to be working with me. Um, 
And it's been very interesting to see how much cozier I feel in that space. Um, and it was like this sense of, oh, but shouldn't I be wanting more? Like, shouldn't I be, you know, wanting to push myself or like build up my numbers whenever I get in that headspace? I kind of lose my train of thought. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't even know what I want to share anymore. Mm. But like all of a sudden I'm thinking about like what people might like to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually the like first siren call off mm-hmm. my path. <laughs> like mm. how do I manipulate this to, you know, get more followers, get more engagement. That's not really what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but it's so insidious. It's so <laughs> just there all the time. It really is. Yes. I loved everything that you just said. I, on both my podcasts yesterday published an episode called Exploring uh, Voluntary Simplicity because I mm-hmm. never really resonated with the expression voluntary positivity because I think poverty actually is violent. It's hardly ever chosen. It's way more complicated than that. I would never say, oh, yeah, that's what I choose. But really choosing simplicity is like, yeah totally oh yes this feels so good and um wait again there was a really important thing I wanted to share (laughs) I forgot oh god oh yeah okay sorry got it back got it back it didn't slip too far but what you were saying about like just I think the phrase redefining success isn't even capturing it because that's also so overused and it doesn't really feel quite true but I think you're totally right it feels so cozy if we're just focusing on working with the people that were meant to work with us right now and that feels really good and also to give ourselves time to not always reach for the next big thing and and money is a part of that definitely like in in March when things first really kicked off I got so anxious about money as I'm sure many of us were and I lost a few projects that were local businesses that I had to shut down so they weren't investing in the way that they had initially planned they would. And so I was really freaking out and just kind of took a moment to allow myself to be with the fear and be like, okay, babe, what do you have to tell me? <laughs> like what is really happening here and trying to engage with that fear. And I think there's, there was a younger part of myself that felt so insecure and like so unsupported in the world and like having to figure everything out by myself and, I I was then asking like, okay, what would I need to never worry about money again? And I allowed myself to to do this thought experiment of being like, okay, so how many millions would I actually need to to have like a grand a month for the rest of my life where I can just like live a small, simple life on a grand a month? But like how many millions is like, what do I really need to be able to maybe either live off the interest or something? And obviously like that's not something that I that's in any way within reach but I was just like allowing myself to go there and and it really I think after a few days of of panicking came back to I think this is so much more about creative resilience of experiencing myself being able to pivot in a moment of stress and trauma and seeing that I still have really good skills and I have experience and I don't know what it looks like, but it's not something I could put a number on. This is not about having three or four million in the bank. It's about allowing myself to be human and being part of a community and staying open to creative solutions and working with people and also accepting limitations because I think, especially as white people, it's so important that we ask ourselves what it means to 
to be right-sized and to kind of serve in the way that we can and like offer our work to anyone who finds it useful, but not to trip beyond that. It's not necessary anymore. And that is something maybe that's also not so easy to let go of because again, the narrative is so big that bigger is always better. And like a bigger following is just more security in terms of whatever happens next. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. Mm, that's so moving. I was like an ulterior over here just because I really resonate with that. And yeah, there's something so money is such a triggering topic and like the idea of scarcity, how much we need to survive. And those are really real big and important questions. And I think for me, the pandemic really forced me to kind of confront them head on. I had a very similar experience to you where I was like, I'm going to crunch the numbers. Like I'm going to actually like write this down. I went through like this crazy budgeting phase for like my household finances and my husband and I finally like really combined our finances and like started practicing having a marriage where we were talking about money every week, which has been like shockingly, I mean, maybe not, but it's very intimate. It's really cool actually. Um, and healing to sort of weave in what I think we divorce from meaning or spirituality back in there. You know, I think about the pentacles and tarot, like our money is something we can, we can use as a tool. It can give us stability um, but it's not, you know, we've kind of like desecrated the idea of money by making it this like capitalist um, kind of boogeyman almost to the point where we're not really aware of what we're working with. Because even, you know, I do the same thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put it all on the table. <laughs> I kind of see it. And I'm like, but okay, cool. Like, I'm actually not the type of person who's going to like <laughs> strive for this because that's just not how I operate. Um, it's funny how you have to kind of balance between the two things. Um, but, you know, rewinding a little bit, like, I think, you know, being like a spiritual entrepreneur, however you want to call it, or, you know, self-employed, honestly, straight up in any area is really hard and really, it's lonely because you're doing it yourself. You know, you may outsource, you may have a team of sorts, but like, you're really making a lot of decisions. And I got really burnt out in my business for after the first three years, kind of doing too much unpaid work, um, spreading myself too thin, not being, not letting myself use social media for my business, rather just kind of getting swept along. And so I almost, I, you know, kind of wrapped it up. I was like, I'm, I'm done. Um, and I thought I did a total 180, which is pretty hilarious. So I was like, no, I need a lot of money now. Like I can't live like this. I can't be scrappy. Um, and so I tried to, um, to become a software engineer and I was like, I'm interested in anything. Like this is cool. It'll be fun. And I really enjoyed learning about it. But when it came time to actually make that dream into like a career, it was insane how there's just my whole body and my whole self was like, this isn't for you. Mm. Like you could, younger you maybe could have pushed through and like found yourself on the other side with this career, but this is actually not going to feed you. Um, it might give you some money, but that exchange is actually not worth it. Um, and I was just shocked <laughs> that that was the answer I was getting and that it was so unequivocal. And so the pandemic, interestingly, kind of brought me to a place where 
I have a very similar lifestyle as I did before that decision. Like I'm doing multiple things for income and my business is one of those things. And it is so nice. I have such a new appreciation and understanding that like a little bit of instability is worth it for me if I have creative freedom and if I'm doing work that's spiritually fulfilling. Like that is really worth so much. And now I can actually see if I were to do the side-by-side comparison, I could actually give that a number. <laughs> like it's not worth that big salary that I could have gotten as a software engineer. Um, and that is kind of insane, but mm-hmm. I know now. And um, <laughs> I think that's, that's the strange thing about, you know, having to really own your agency as, as a business owner and also to see what you're comfortable with in terms of, of, of instability, mm. however you want to define it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also recognizing too the immense privilege that I have to have had a bit of cushion to figure all of that out, to not be strapped and scrambling. Um, and that is not because I'm smarter <laughs> than anyone else. <laughs> it's because I'm lucky. Um, so you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up just because I feel like we don't talk enough about money and like how, how much is going on when we talk about money. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could say like 7,000 more things that I'm not going to because <laughs> <laughs> I've said a lot already. <laughs> I mean, and I loved everything that you said and I could talk to you forever. And I don't know how, but an hour has passed. Oh my gosh. And I really want to <laughs> be respectful of your time and energy and Wow, like time really passed so quickly. I feel like I needed this conversation on so many levels and so grateful to talk to you and so excited to share it with everyone. So thank you so much. I feel so rejuvenated. It's always, it's been such a pleasure to to share this time with you. And yeah, it's really cathartic and inspiring to, to, to talk with someone who's, who's really been there and is doing so much wonderful work (laughs) thank you let us know where people can find you before we go yes so you can find me on incandescenttarot.com it's like my central hub Um, you can also find me on mighty networks there's all linked on the website Um, so if you search for me on mighty networks i'll be there and then on substack as well Um, if you would like to stay in the loop, I am developing a class, which I'm very excited about, which now I'm like, I really needed this talk to like, mm-hmm. oh, get those juices flowing. <laughs> um, but that's going to be launching in the next month or so. And it's, a self-paced, um, it's a self-paced course that really any level of experience can take, but it's going to be focused around tarot and integrating it into your everyday life. Mm-hmm. So sort of finding your own connection with the cards through your experiences as they're happening. And so I kind of wanted to create like a cozy sleepover aura around it because there's so many courses out there that are very kind of helpful and by the books, Mm -hmm. but this is a lot more personal um, Mm -hmm. and has a lot of my tried and true exercises I do for myself to like dive into tarot on a deeper level. That sounds so so beautiful. I'm really excited. (laughs) I will. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.